Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health features industry guests and panelists who explore topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Mindy McGrath, Healthcare Industry Advisor for Dynamic. In today's episode, we are discussing overnight innovation in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Hummel, Provider Sector Advisor. Hello, everybody. And our colleague, Chris McGovern, Health Tech Advisor. Hi, everyone. So, Chris and Ryan, um, the events of the past several months have really forced healthcare into the spotlight. The industry is responding by primarily focusing on what we should be focusing on, right, which is the clear and the present priorities of caring for patients and communities, while also working to maintain the health and the safety of our healthcare workers. And I think while much of society is adjusting to what a new normal feels like in this developing situation, there are some interesting things that have emerged in the midst of this crisis where we've seen examples of ingenuity and creativity that are really coming through as people and their organizations are innovating almost overnight to respond to the challenges that we're facing and trying to address some of the needs and the gaps in finding new ways of working to maintain our public health. Um, so Krista, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, since you are so heavily involved in healthcare technology, like what are some of the interesting innovations that um, have been curious to you? Well, I think the first thing we can pause and talk, um, or I can explain briefly is, is you know, the concept of innovation. It, in the, it can be on a spectrum. We could have really big new ideas, groundbreaking, market shifting innovations that emerge. But um, at the other end of the spectrum, it could also just be looking at existing problems in just a, a new way or bringing fresh thinking to it. Um, and, and I think we see a lot of that happening through COVID. Um, one of the things that I'm most excited about seeing is all of the non-healthcare players um, getting into the healthcare industry and market and supporting the problems um, that the market is seeing. So outside these outside industries are are, have the ability to transform markets and bring a fresh thinking to, um, you know, to, to traditional problems that we've seen, like face mask and um, the capacity, increasing capacity on PPE. You have uh, companies like Battelle that developed a machine that can de decontaminate 80,000 face masks um, a day. We've got clothing companies um, that are developing uh, PPE. Uh, like uh, Zara and Brooks Brothers. Um, you've got uh, distilleries that are making hand sanitizer and car and consumer goods companies. Um, I'm sure everyone's heard of GM and Ford in the, in the ventilator um, manufacturing market, uh, but I'm really excited about folks like Virgin Orbit and Dyson as well that are bringing their design thinking and their, um, their design expertise to uh, making ventilators. Chris, I think you, you hit on a point around design thinking and the agility, right, that we're seeing around that as companies are jumping into the, the mix of coming up with new products and services that can be utilized, right, and as they're, they're doing it, they're also um, tweaking on the fly to adjust um, as they learn about what, they, what needs to be filled as part of the innovation process as they're bringing things to the market. 
Yeah, absolutely. When you think about markets like consumer goods and technology products, uh, the hallmark of those, those industries are thinking about agile implementation, minimum viable products, um, about design thinking and creating user-centered uh, user-centered products. And that sort of thinking is something that healthcare needs. Um, however, healthcare, the industry, because of risk aversion, regulatory impacts, is just has been slower to adopt some of some of that way of thinking. I think it's really uh, a really important piece, you know, talking about how agile teams can help um, in, in crises. Krishna and Mindy, you know, we, we've seen um, this great ingenuity and you mentioned some of the great PPE that's, that's been converted, you know, everything from uh, face masks to hand sanitizers. We're seeing um, not just kind of distilleries and breweries make hand sanitizer. We're seeing large scale, huge manufacturing facilities that make perfume and cologne um, convert to hand sanitizer as well. And we know that the idea of kind of a command and control way of doing things stymies productivity. And the idea of agile is for folks and user and operators to be creative and, and investigate and be imperfect in creating um, exciting developments um, in a very fast way is the way where agile works. And we're seeing that across the world. And it's exciting to see um, some of this stuff come into fruition and action so quickly. And it's just pretty remarkable. Um, I was just going to mention too, as well, uh, we've learned from our mistakes. I think that this is not, although this may be the largest kind of um, crisis we faced in, in modern time, we faced some in the past as well, uh, you know, hurricanes and terrorist attacks. And what we've learned in the past is, you know, this idea of command and control doesn't always work, but some ideas around agile teams working uh, quickly and uh, imperfectly, to, for lack of a better term, has been really successful. So there's been, so there's been some positivity out of all of this as well. And I think the other thing that's been interesting is, is um, the level of sharing that we're seeing between companies that are innovating Right, and I'm thinking more specifically around some of the open source design and 3D printing that is being done to create extra capacity, and how you know one company that might have come up with an innovative solution was essentially sharing what they did so that we could build up um, capability in ensuring that we have the the right amount of PPE and other types of protective equipment for our healthcare workers. Yeah, you've got non-healthcare companies like 3D Systems, which manufactures um, ventilator parts in the in the UK, and um, they have designs for PPE available. They put it on their website, um, and they're actually offering that up to um, any other med device manufacturer or healthcare provider out there. Um, you've got NIH that set up a, a print exchange website to support uh, manufacturing of PPE and other med devices um, in short supply as well. Um, so again, open open source. Anyone can go on uh, clinical use or community use and, and develop. Um, you know these these absolutely critical items. You know, when you say open source, it makes me think of uh, the idea of blockchain. And you know, we had a podcast several months, maybe in years back, where we talked a little bit about blockchain and the, and the history of it and the deep dive into what it actually means. And we talked a lot about the fact that um, companies not in the healthcare sector really adopting it in a smart way, typically um, 
financial institutions and uh, not healthcare. And the idea of a shared record of transactions is kind of the baseline of what blockchain is and how it enables participants in these groups to, I guess, securely share data with each other without this middleman keeping track and creating all this bureaucracy. And I think that when you talk about touchless technology, which I'm sure we'll hit on, or open source, there, there seems to be not just a kind of uh, theoretical need for health care to move forward on this, but we're hearing from some of our clients and friends that there has been some work behind the scenes on uh, expediting the momentum of blockchain within the healthcare system. So we're excited to see that as well. Yeah, certainly <clears throat> increasing security for, for users' uh, data is something that that is definitely going to be needed after, um, even more so than it was already after after COVID and having all of the the increasing remote and, um, remote healthcare you know products and, and tools out there, um, you know, and and it just the the thought of the blockchain and security issues just brings to light the fact that <clears throat> um, you know there are compliance you know HIPAA compliance or security issues that are gonna become ever more important to tackle um, as we as we move forward here. Um, I think about things like contact tracing technologies <clears throat> that are being put in place. Um, so contact tracing is, is identifying people who may have come into contact with an infected like COVID uh, person. And it, it may be one of the biggest needs that we have in order to get back to a new normal post COVID. Um, you've got some countries that are creating uh, solutions using Bluetooth and location data, uh, and that's creating HIPAA. It would it would not pass HIPAA compliance muster in the in the U.S. But then you have uh, companies like App, Apple and Google announcing a partnership. Uh, also, a great thing that these rivals are are partnering together um, in this environment. But they're going to release a solution that lets users opt in to a decentralized tracing tool. Uh, and it'll use Bluetooth to transmit um, random and anonymized identifiers uh, that, that, you know, passes the HIPAA compliance muster that's needed in the U.S. Krista, I think that's a really good point um, around, we haven't talked a lot about contract tracing technology, and I'm certainly not the, the, the smartest person in the room with that, but I read in an article recently that the challenge with that is there's something like two to three billion mobile phone owners around the world that are actually unable to use that technology as it stands now, that connection with Apple and Google. So it'll be interesting how mm -hmm. that, that kind of push and pull conflict around personal uh, information and relief, putting relief and release on some of those private um, restrictions that, that exist today and how we're going to do that so that we can get more information into the right hands. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> right. I think, Kristen, we were talking about the Apple-Google um, partnership and the, the vast amount of data mm -hmm. that will be collected and how that could enable you know, improved public health efforts um, around hot spotting and ensuring that the right resources are in the right place um, within the country. Because you think about kind of the staggering, the staggered surges that we've seen, right? And they haven't come all at once, but as we get into containment efforts um, and short of having a vaccine or treatment, as we start to reopen uh, the economy, these types of solutions are going to be part of the support mechanism 
in um, providing I think some level of assurance that we we know where this virus is tracking um, and how to put the right support in place to ensure that we're trying to contain it as much as possible so we don't see a second second level surges making their way through the country. Yeah, something like this may have months ago not ever have been thought of or thought possible due to the, you know, mass amount of data and potential compliance issues and HIPAA question. And all of a sudden there's a solution out there that kind of checks all the boxes. So it's really, it'll be fascinating to watch. It will yeah, be. From a macro perspective, from a, from a macro perspective, I, I find it fascinating. You know, we're talking about data and we're talking about things that we didn't think were actually possible, you know, pre-March 1st. And um, I think that it goes back to some of the key tenets of agile and, you know, as, and I mean agile teams, and, and I'm not trying to get deep into the methodology, but the idea of agile is that you accelerate these learning loops and you put a greater emphasis on progress and less on perfection. And what we're seeing is this great progress that is superseding perfection and that's creating macro level movement across the globe. And I think that that will only be accelerated in the future. Yeah. I, I sure. love that statement, progress. Accelerated progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, as we think about at reopening, right, and taking our foot off the brake and starting to uh, pivot really into what might feel like a new normal for a while, I mean, one of the other um, technologies that we're starting to hear a, a, quite a bit about is the idea of touchless technology and that being on the rise, right, because the way that we interacted typically with touching doorknobs and, um, you know, pushing buttons for elevators and things like that uh, actually help spread, spread the virus versus, um, you know, a new way of doing things. Yeah, this is, this whole experience is really going to change behavior um, and change behavior in a way that it's going to stick. Um, so I, I wonder if going forward, when we get back to a new normal, whether when I walk into a grocery store, whether I'm really ever going to have to touch anything before I finalize a purchase. Like when I think about touchless credit cards and consoles, or, you know, even more closer to, to healthcare, if I go into an urgent care or into a hospital or a doctor's setting, am I ever going to need to touch a door or will, will we be able to implement, you know, kind of widely available touchless technology out there um, and, and get it implemented into these healthcare settings? Yeah, I think it goes back to Ryan's point about rapid acceleration, right? So I think about touchless technology, and, and of course, we, we wouldn't be able to complete this podcast without talking about telehealth, right? Because we know telehealth has slogged along for a while now, um, and overnight, while it might not be an innovation, the adoption of telehealth really was like unprecedented growth. Um, so you think about the, the tools around telehealth and what healthcare providers needed to do within a very short period of time to transition their, their delivery care or their practice to a remote environment. And, and Ryan and I have talked about telehealth. In fact, we had a podcast, two podcasts ago about, about whether the word tele actually gets removed, right? And, and this just becomes one of the new standards for how healthcare is delivered because now you will have so many people in the population that have um, experienced it and and maybe even prefer it, right? So um, I wonder if the, the regulations around that were lifted around telehealth just become permanent 
um, in an effort to keep that acceleration um, going. Yeah, I think uh, it, we wouldn't be doing ourselves justice if we didn't mention the idea of telehealth, even if we've mentioned it a couple times before in past podcasts, but the idea that Medicare beneficiaries are able to receive a vast amount more of services through telehealth, um, you know, including common office visits, mental health counseling, preventative screenings, but they're able to do it on platforms that are much more simple and patient friendly um, is really revolutionizing the last month or two of healthcare. You know, if you talk to any physician uh, and any of our friends that are physicians, they're seeing it in action. And so although it's not an innovative technology per se, the adoption certainly is innovative and the flexibility that has been opened up so quickly has been pretty phenomenal. I think the challenge will be, and, and we've talked about this a lot, a couple of things is that um, that kind of conflict on shall you use simple platforms of video conferencing, which are very user-friendly and enable for a very quick uh, connection point, or are you going to use some of these really um, sought-after platforms that may have a stronger interoperability with the EHR that the health system is using. And regardless of the fact, the real challenge for health systems is gonna be that, um, that idea of a workflow that connects the conversation and the visit to the actual um, EHR and then the billing as well. And so there's, there's a cross sector with health plans uh, involved as well on how you, how you catch up to this adoption in a very fast and, and, and quick way so that the proper payments um, are made um, to maintain this semblance of normalcy with these visits. Right, and making sure that accurate data is also um, centered in one place so that the continuity of care remains consistent. Yeah. Right, I think ultimately the answer is gonna be somewhere in the middle that mm -hmm. you know regulations really opened up, they will contract at some point, but it will never go back to where they were before. I, I think really simple televideo uh, solutions are being used today and maybe we'll realize we don't need as complex of the solutions that are on the market, but there are definitely, to, part of the points that, that Mindy you just made and Ryan you just made, interoperability, data sharing, continuity care, those are all still really critical and important things that somewhere in the middle is the answer between all these complicated and simple platform. Well, we certainly have discussed um, change in the healthcare system and the pace at which, you know, this modernization effort has traditionally occurred, which has been slower in nature. Um, and I think right now we're witnessing global, national, regional, and local um, activity around data and information sharing and new types of products and services and best practices as everyone's working together to make this dramatic shift from thinking and talking into action. Um, some of it obviously has been forced with, uh, you know, the way we've had to respond to, to this pandemic. Um, but nonetheless, it is, it's, it's really interesting to see how this has taken shape over such a short period of time. And I think that innovation overnight seems to characterize what we've seen pretty accurately. Um, and I think our collective response to it, like we might just see, be seeing right now what the next evolution of healthcare can look like once this crisis is passed. So this wraps up our episode. Um, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to Trending Health um, for links to resources that we discussed in this episode 
or to subscribe to Trending Health uh, Podcast and explore if Dynamic can help you with your um, and your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, please visit us at trendinghealth.com. And tune in to the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry. Be well, everyone.